1: See, most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices. Let me be clear, nobody said it was going to be easy. No handouts, no excuses, it's just you versus you, it's go time. Find your why for the 5am wake up call, find your why for the extra mile you have to do after the workout, find your why to face that fear, take that test, make that move. Come on y'all, your whole life has been a warm up. For this moment right here, today, are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action, just be better, just be more, be more today.
0: What's going on folks, your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas, back in the building with another episode of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back here in the month of February. Happy Black History Month to each and every one of you. It's a big one, you already know. Be More Today, as a Black-owned company and business, we support all things Black. Black on Black on Black. And yes, it's our month. A month for us to celebrate Black excellence, leadership, unity, equality, all those things. That be more today stands for it is a movement and as you know be more today's show has been here now in our fourth season uh with my book our podcast on amazon and everywhere else and our more merch stores continue to be open we just finished our project 40 earlier this month people are doing 40 days of activities and it was great and it has been great seeing everyone just strive to be the best version of themselves so if you have not done so already Go on be go on our YouTube page and be more today and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Right now, we're heard in 73 countries, over yes. 40,000 downloads. So we appreciate your love and support. It does not go unnoticed. My quote for today is simple as always, said by Nelson Mandela. Action without vision is only passing time. Vision without action is merely daydreaming, but vision with action can change the world and true we're looking this year for all of us to be visionaries um a lot of us say that we want to do certain things then we have no follow-through or we do a whole bunch of stuff but there's no real continuity to it and no vision no focus this year i'm looking for us not just people of color but for all of us who are just trying to be more for our societies for our communities for our kids for our families to put those two things together action and vision and I truly believe we can all change the world in our small communities, right? If we do that, everyone does that in their small communities, we will see change. And my guest on today's show is a community changer. He's a community builder. He's been doing this for a long time. I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, while we both were competitors. Uh, <laughs> and I think, right? He was at Harvard, I was at Brown, and we cross paths often, 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 usually with the side eye. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think you know that you recognize that there are so many things that you have in common with certain people like that. So it's good to share those things. And uh, our guest on today's show is Lawrence Aja. And he is a community builder, a host, and serving at the Nexus of Business, Faith, and Community Wellness. Now, Lawrence builds communities and hosts conversations that unite, heal, and transform lives. He serves as the founder and chairman of the Family Dinner Foundation whose mission is to connect the world as a family and at beyond and at and beyond the dinner table. Beginning with its first initiative, Our Family Dinner, in 2008, which reached nearly 50,000 young professionals around the world, its work has expanded to empowering an ecosystem of initiatives dedicated to connecting brothers and sisters as a family beyond the dinner table. In a time where many of us are mediating our lives behind a computer screen, you know, living in cities without strong, pre-existing relationships, Lawrence became burdened by the sleeping giant of our time, loneliness. Observing that we've become more digitally connected than ever before, yet more isolated and disconnected interpersonally than ever before, it became his mission to address this growing issue. He believes that we are never meant to do life alone and that it is vital for people to have space where they can build lifelong, life-sustaining relationships. Through his experience in business and community building, he became convinced the solution to this challenge is as much a spiritual matter as it is a civic, social, and technological opportunity. He pursued formal theological education and training and became an ordained pastor and spiritual counselor who brings this foundation into every aspect of his approach to community building, business, and life. Lawrence currently hosts two shows, Watch God Work, a show featuring leaders from all arenas of business, entertainment, civic leadership, and culture sharing their God stories. And A2D, Agree to Disagree, a weekly conversation that intentionally tackles the cha- challenging conversations in our community that we are having or need to have in our families, friendships, and or romantic uh, relationships. All right, come on now. Lawrence became, began his career as a management consultant for McKinsey & Company. In it's New York office, hoping to serve some of the world's largest professional sports organizations and media companies. Prior to joining McKenzie, he was a nationally ranked track and field competitor through college where he entered as a national champion and high school All-American. And after Mackenzie, Lawrence served as the senior director of business development at a premier sports and entertainment marketing agency in New York. He has served as a trusted executive advisor and counselor to business leaders from C-suite executives to solo led small businesses owners nearly 15 years of experience through this firm and Aja uh, through his firm, Aja. He also has a licensed and ordained pastor, a prepare and enriched certified marriage counselor, a spiritual coach and trainer. He's led the world's first gospel based spiritual gym, which I definitely want to talk about today. Foundation JC and Lawrence serves as the advisory board member and former president of the board of directors for the Harvard Black Alumni Society. He also serves as the board of directors for the Urban. World Film Festival, and the National Board of New City Kids. He's also, of course, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity. Ladies and gentlemen, this man has done so many things for his community, and I'm just happy to have him on the show today as a Harvard grad, as a Stanford grad, as a University of Texas grad. He has so many degrees, there's so many letters. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the epitome of Black Excellence. My guest on today's show, Pastor Lawrence Ajah. Lawrence, what is going Oh. Sean sure, man, I think that we gotta have a springwater
2: uh sponsorship for this podcast because I had you talking over there and I don't know who paid you beforehand to say all of that, man. But it is such a great pleasure, one to just see you, man. Um I think as anybody understands relationships um are not are not because we are so special, but uh because someone deems us uh special enough to put people in our lives like this. And so uh thinking about almost twenty plus years to when we first Met and interacted, and then looking forward that. Number one, we're still alive; that we're we're thriving and healthy, and have the opportunity to do work that we care about for people that we care about. Uh, this is a great pleasure and honor, uh, Doctor Sean Thomas, my brother. I'm so grateful to be here with you. God bless you. Thank you so much for welcoming me.
0: No problem. I appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, literally, I I remember as I remember being at Harvard, looking at you and Sam. You know. I'm not yeah, like yeah. you out. and you know <laughs> you directly against each other. it was always me and Sam kind of going at it, but you were there and I remember you being there and you know, <laughs> when you're in that circuit as minorities in a predominantly white environment, right? Um, we, we stand out, we stand out. so there's a certain connection that comes when you're especially in the athletic arena because you're just doing the same kind of thing with the same kind of drive, but seeing you guys all the time just really it really inspired me. To know that you know we were on a journey that was meant to be for greatness even beyond track and field just just seeing us being in those arenas and and being game changes at that time uh whether it was mm-hmm. academically or athletically or what have you it was just a fun time and looking back on it yes 20 years ago that was 20 years ago um it's just great to see the progression and the change and i've been following you ever since so i said i had to have you on the show for black history month because you in my mind are really epitome of Black like Excellence as someone who's bringing the community together on a regular basis. And there's so much I want to ask you. Um, so the yeah. first one I want to ask you is this family dinner. How did this family dinner concept come up for you? And why is it so uh, important for you to put this message of community out there for everyone else?
2: Um, Sean, you know, I, I, it was unintentional. I always lead with that. It was an unintentional um, work, which arrived, at least r- let me know that it was pure. Um, it was actually... Um, I, I was finished finished my track career at, you know, Texas and then moved back to New York to, you know, begin work. And, you know, I think everybody who's been in a major city, obviously Sean, you're in Brooklyn, my birthplace, flatbush shout out. Um, um, you know, there was, you know, a lot of people descending upon a city from all over the world at different stages of life, working hard, moving fast. But, you know, the consistent conversation that came up with the people that I knew was professionally things are great. Interpersonally, things are a struggle. Right. You know that I have no lack of an ability to network and find relationship for people to, you know, you know, work and or I have no lack of being in positions where people want to socialize generally. Um, but when it comes to people that actually I know care for me and actually building sustainable relationships, it feels like uh, like I'm performing or competing all over again. You know, I don't know if I if I have the right title, did I go to the right school? Do I, you know, do I present myself the right place? You have to perform for a relationship. And so um, it was actually a story with one of my good uh, good friends who was a mentor at Investment Bank. She became a young managing director, a very young sister from Texas, and she was just like, Lawrence, you know, I'm I'm doing well, but like I'm I feel lonely. I feel depressed. Like I just don't know anybody here. And I think if something happened to me, it'd be a while for anybody to actually show up here. And so I think that became the genesis of, you know, a, a kind of a, a tradition that I can't take credit for, nor do anybody else <laughs> to take credit for. It was something that my parents, we came over uh, to uh, New York from Nigeria in uh, in Brooklyn in the late '70s, didn't have blood relatives. Lost my paternal grandfather. My dad was orphaned. My mom lost her her parents young. And so when they came to this country with my oldest sister. They really didn't have anybody. And so when they finally rooted themselves, they literally built community, not only in our house. We had dinner as a family every day. But when we gathered uh, and had meals or larger meals, we invited our neighbors because we had to build the village. And so I said, hey, I'm moving back to New York. If you're from the tri-state area, you kind of feel like you're still home. It don't matter what state you're in. And I said, you know what? I feel a responsibility to if I have great relationships and people I know are struggling with relationships, I don't own these people. All right. And so I think it's important for me to open that up, right? How could you be lonely and I'm not? That doesn't make sense. And so that was the impetus for it. Uh, we started at a, as a dinner phones away. We tried to make it as family reunion like as possible and it took on a life of its own. And so that became the impetus. 2008, um, we hosted citywide dinners um, every other month. And it just kept growing and we had no website, nothing, all word of mouth. And, uh, you know, I can only give that for the grace of God to how it grew.
0: That's incredible. You know, I have a friend of mine who every uh, Christmas, she puts it out there on social media that if no one has any place to go, um, no place to go, her doors are open. And every year someone goes to her house because people are looking for that kind of thing. So the fact that you cultivated that uh, based on your family situation and share that with the rest of your community. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I wish mm-hmm. that there were more of us who were able to do those kind of things. But it's those kind of things that I do believe builds community like you have. And mm-hmm. it's a testament to your growth and in and, and your spirituality as well. But I do believe mm-hmm. that there's a certain level of compassion that you have to have when you're looking at those kind of disparities. And mm-hmm. I don't think most of us have that automatic, oh, let me go do this, open up my doors and just give, um, which more of us, I wish we did. But, you know, in the spirit of Black History Month, I think that's one of the things that we as people of color could do more of just to really extend mm-hmm. the helping hand. There's so many of us who get caught in this competitive thing. And, you know, even thinking about well, like we were back in Ivy League, you know, with the comp- competition, there weren't a lot of us. So the the few of us that were there, it felt like we were all competing for whatever shine or glory at that time. But to be honest, it was mm-hmm. really about all of us just rising up and just being great being able to be in that arena which was a predominantly white arena for so many years you know for us to be in those seats and to be in those rooms and to be the ones who are now the faces of so many things that were not we weren't allowed to be that community wasn't really there it was more competitive mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. i'm glad that there's this community essence that's now going around um with all of us because that's what it's really about
2: you know sean i mean even you bringing that up You know, I said that this, you know, this wasn't, and there's nothing new under the sun, as it's been said, right? And so I think, you know, when I think about our communities, particularly if you think about the United States in the past century, right, you know, the neighborhoods themselves became small villages. People knew each other and knew of each other. And it seemed like there was a common unified experience, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And what's concerned me is, is just a natural, has been a natural evolution of our culture of individuality, especially in the West. Where it's a very it's a very much like I don't have to leave my, I don't have to interact with anybody quote unquote to get groceries to get deliveries to to do I can I could essentially just Amazon my life every aspect of my life. I don't even have to go out to meet I could I can go online and do everything so I, I essentially could I have this mindset where everything's about me versus you know many cultures that you can understand around around the world are very much a lot more communal, a lot more family oriented, a lot more kind of group before individuals. And so there's, there's benefits of that, but there's also drawbacks. And the drawbacks is that you lose a collective identity. People find it too much of a risk and sacrifice. Because think about it. Someone sharing a meal is very intimate, man. That's a vulnerable thing. One, being in your home. Two, you, especially if you're the cooking type, and I definitely am one, and I'm definitely am one with the appetite if somebody decides to cook. right? That's a labor of love for somebody to do that for a perfect stranger yeah that that that's a very acts 242 to 47 that's a very intimate thing and so i think um it's been an unintended consequence of just how we have evolved as a society that we've become so fragmented that the idea of doing it seems so foreign when quite frankly especially in our community we come from that mm-hmm. we come from making sure oh miss thomas saw you down the street or such and such saw you or you can go you can be disciplined by somebody else down the block mm-hmm. right and so I think it's returning to who we are. Is a, is a, you know, for me, I see it more as a redeeming and returning to, to what we've been made to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. A question for you, you know, just looking at our current trends in society and how everything is, I don't wanna use the word sensitive, but everything mm. is very, very um, specific when it comes to people being able to, or being open to having those things happen, right? being able to have someone else discipline your child or being able to have your doors open or being able to ask your neighbor for something. Because sometimes, like you said, we are now in this stage where things are very insular, uh, mm-hmm. especially I think about New York City, I think about Brooklyn, right? We, I live on a street where mm-hmm. there's so many people around me. And uh, there's a certain neighborhood feel that is definitely here. Mm-hmm. We have a block association person and we have block parties, whatever else, and there's definitely that feel. But there's also this feel of, I don't want to talk to anybody sometimes. And this is not me. I'm just saying the feel in general, right? There's some people for just Mm -hmm. I want to go to work and just come home and be back in my in my insular house. I think about the Amazon drop offs for people. There are some people who live in buildings where they don't leave their house at all. It's just Amazon everything, um, fresh direct everything. And I have a person that I actually work with who doesn't leave her house at all. She literally is in her house every day. And people come to her to say hi and whatnot, but she never leaves her house at all. So when it comes to those community contacts and, 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 and interactions, I guess my question is, how do you balance the where we were, which you're talking about? You're trying to bring that back with what the current feel of some societies is, which is I don't want to interact with people. I don't want someone else to explain my kid because what they say the wrong thing or, you know, I don't I don't want that interaction because I want to just stay in my small safe you know, safe environment how do you how do you combine those things so that pe- people know that you know it's okay for us to, to be able to communicate and to be able to still connect with each other without having to feel like we have to put barriers around each other
2: yeah man it's, it's a great question I always try to lead with this idea like babies die for lack of touch you know how much more adult children who are have no touch no interaction no hugs nothing you know, as kind of you kind of read up front, we're not meant to be lifelong. So I start with that kind of premise that I really believe that, if they, that, you know, physiologically, psychologically, uh, you know, solitary confinement is a thing for a reason. That's 24 hours. Within 24 hours, you're having no human contact. It literally shrinks your brain. And so for me to say whether you have a, a faith perspective or whether you have a medically informed perspective, there there's actually real hard data about the impact of you being isolated That if we collectively can agree that we want everyone to be able to be as healthy as they can be in their life and to be able to have as fruitful uh, and as uh, as sustainable of a life as possible, we would agree that that's something that collectively should make us say, "Okay, let's at least think about it. So I start there. Two, I I, I also I believe in the importance of empathy and compassion. Right. And so, you know, I, I take these two things to say, here's where we need to go, but here's where we are. And in order for me to properly, you know, you know, be a part of even for my own life, get to a place that I need to go. I have to understand where I am. And the reality is that context matters. Right. I think, you know, family structures have shifted. And so the things that actually get put up your guard and your armor um, and that help actually uh, socialize you into actually desiring human interaction. But I think about it. You understand this as being a father. You know, what those two years or so did did in the formative years to children, it's almost like a social atrophy, right? So you see it with younger kids. Like if they have older siblings, they're able to talk sooner, they interact sooner. But now when you disconnect people, there's a a complete disconnect. There's a formation process that happens even in families, right? We're having, there's less children. People are having less children, one. Two, people are interacting less, so there's then less cross-pollination with kids. There's also this dynamic of like our family structures have shifted a lot. You know, things are not perfect on this side of glory. So marriages are not necessarily always sustaining in the way that we would hope they would be. And so I believe that, you know, God has ordained or, you know, or like I believe in in, in faith that fathers and mothers are, are are necessary. And so when you have just twists on that, it affects how children come up. Do they feel more safe when dad's not there? we see the research that talks about the level of safety and security children feel when they go out into the world, right? When that figure is not there. And so now think about that, just family changing. The place where I learned how to at least have a sense of security and safety has shifted. I have less interactions with people as I'm growing up. And now you put me out into the world. Mm. You know, I, I think those things contribute to what we have too, I think just think about the dynamics of what's happening in the world, especially, I think you talked like history month, think about what's on the news, think about the reality that even people, well-meaning people who care about community, right, are like, do I want my, myself, let alone my children, this world doesn't feel safe for me, especially if I have this hue, especially if my workplace doesn't necessarily feel safe or, for my, me walking down a block, doesn't so what type of world are we living in? So that brings up this idea. With that said, I said all of it. That's understood. So that's even some of them, because there's many more levers we could take all day talking through the reasons why. With that said, I think where we started was even with that, yet and still, we 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 we're called to become a type of people, a type of person, right? I want to be a generous person, even though you know it may I maybe have seasons of not having much. I want to be someone who cares for my neighbor, even though it's scary. And I think of all. My faith perspective takes it to say, hey, if I know that ultimately I have life forever, then that gives me courage in this life, which is a small pin or a small drop in the larger ocean of what my life will be ultimately. Then I should have enough courage to be a bold and courageous person in this life on behalf of my brother and sister. Right. So I think that's a charge for people of faith. But even if you're not people of faith, I think everybody would like to say, you know what, I want to I want to care more about people around me. I think most people would agree that they wanna be that way. So what that means is saying, let's take the reality and let's affirm it, but let's say realistically, how do we get from here to there? And I think whether it is the the work that you're doing, right? And being able to at least attune people to why it's important that we have community, to being healthy, whether it's just the gathering process, right? I'm one of a sea of many brothers who cares about this issue of community building. We help take people from where they are and to get them to where they need to be, albeit imperfectly.
0: Yeah, that's big. And, you know, I, I think the the thing I took from that is community is important no matter what we're talking about and where we're talking about in terms of our, our spectrum, right? hundred years ago, even now, and maybe even in the future, it's, it's still going to be something that we need to get stronger, to be better as a people Uh, I agree with you on the family structure, because I I am definitely a result of that. We have one daughter. And everyone's always like, oh, you only have one? You only have one? What are you doing? You only have one? You got to hurry up. And, you know, it's, I come from a family where I was one of five. So Mm -hmm. it's a very different upbringing. But for what we are doing now and where we are with our busy lives and schedules, and we don't have the support that my parents had back in the day where people weren't connected, were connected we are all so far away from each other. So, it is what it is now as things have changed. But yes, we have found ways to make community, right? Whether it's our faith-based community that we have or our um, school-based community that my daughter has or the other things she does throughout the week. We create these these many communities that have given her the things that she would ha- probably have if she had more siblings. And I think mm-hmm. that that's crucial for everyone else to be able to, to do as well. And especially for me, thinking about faith-based communities, I know mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why we, I go to church because that has always been... For the most part, a very sustainable and constant force for people mm-hmm. of all walks to come together and to receive something to be fed, whether spiritually or mentally, physically, what have you, and also to be able to feed others. And mm-hmm. the church that I go to in Brooklyn is great. It's, it's a it's a, a a huge one of the bigger churches that are in in the area, and there are a number of churches in Brooklyn. In fact, Brooklyn has one of the highest, as you probably know, the highest Mm -hmm. per capita, right, churches on every every single block. There's so many churches in Brooklyn, so many faith-based groups in Brooklyn. And my question for you now is, looking at the faith-based communities, where you're talking about churches or mosques or what have you, there are so many groups and communities that use faith as a way to bring people together. Now, coming out of COVID-19, where a lot of these things were shut down, right? A lot of the community work that we did got thwarted. And it, it, it literally was stagnant for the longest time. And I'm sure you went through this. I'm sure you're probably online doing stuff for a number of weeks, months, whatever, to get people back. And now that people are back, I think there is still a contingent of people, especially in, in our Black and brown communities that are still just either they haven't come back yet. I think about the 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 generation between people who are probably in their 20s and 35 years old, who just have not returned to church yet because there are just so many things otherwise they're getting into. So Mm -hmm. as we move forward now, trying to get back to what you're doing, to my community and bring my people, how should we be adjusting? What are the things that we can do to make sure that our community that we had pre-pandemic, now post-pandemic, and now even looking at at the whole Black Lives Matter movement and all things that are just happening and just continuing to have us feel the sense of loneliness, how do we do this to bring back any sense of community when there's so many things that have gotten in the way of us trying to stay connected?
2: Man, that's a it's a, that is a powerful question. I, I would approach it in in a, in a couple of ways. The COVID nineteen in many in, in the pandemic was a was a reckoning, right for for the for our, 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 the globally, but I think and particularly even for the faith community, because I think the reality is that for as much as it's, it's, it's helped encourage people to recognize what they had. And so now the opportunity to reconnect is almost like, you know, when you hold a, a rubber band back and you like snap it for you, like, yeah, I need this. I'm, I, I'm so sorry. Right. like I can't wait to get back and be real. for many people it actually exposed what they really, they thought they had, but they really didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And which was real relationship mm-hmm. there. It was a, it was a reckoning, right. When, you know, I think, uh, story was during the pandemic, um, the tail end of it. Well, I'm putting in quotes obviously because many would argue and mm-hmm.
3: I think favorably
2: that <laughs> it's still going right. Mm-hmm. But my, my my sister had a uh, a health uh, a health scare. You know, um, had blood clot in her brain. My oldest sister, she's my she's oh, like gosh. my second hero behind, like a female hero behind my mom, right? And um, you know, I remember going to the hospital. This is COVID nineteen, so like you know, going to the hospital and obviously you know things were tight, but not as tight as they were in the middle of it. Mm. And I remember going, and there would be rooms where I would go every single day. I went every single day to Philadelphia for like a month and a half to see my sister in that, in that hospital. And there'd be rooms where I literally saw no one. Mm. Like, it was like, it was chilling. And what that brings up is like, in my most vulnerable moment, who's showing up for me? And mm. I think for many people during the pandemic, it was, where are the phone calls? Mm. So if I'm not showing up in your building, do you not care for me? Mm. Wait, wait. So was I just a set of numbers? Was I just another number on the roll? And so I think as much as it was a, you know, I think helpful, and I think many communities of faith really got out there and um, and really pushed, it also showed there was sometimes an opportunity and there was a gap. And like, are we really building relationships? Are we really, you know, like, because at the end of the day with your people of faith, for me, it's it starts with relationship, a real relationship, before we just have things that we are united on and activities. And this, it's a relationship. And I think what I, I think to your question, it is realizing that uh, the ecclesia is the people of the called out people of God before it's the institution. It's mm-hmm. the people of God who operate as the body, and ultimately we have to have stronger communities. And this is partly where I think where I get motivated and I'm excited about the opportunity to say, you could be around people a lot and do all the things, right? But I know it's very easy to exist in the church and not necessarily be connected. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, and so I think now the church is taking stock of one question is, are we bigger than our capacity to care? Well, some churches have to combine that to say, we have a lot of people in here, but are we really connected? And are we making disciples? Are we bigger than our capacity to care? Right, you know, do we have more people? Do we need to shrink? Do we need to, you know, make have groups of three hundred so that everybody's accounted for, so no one feels like they're going, they're they're falling through the ranks, right? I think this is a this is actually a renewal, a revival opportunity for church. Second, there was an article in the Atlantic by you know Dr. Tim Keller, you know, really really great guy, great mentor to so many people. I'm grateful to be to be part of that, and he talked about like one of the beautiful things about faith is that it's one of those places of unity. Uh, where it, it, it actually is a unifying force when there's actually a set of beliefs that's that's cosmically beyond the hu- human like human uh, opinion and sense and so it, there's no thing lower than that that could unite people we're too fragmented in our personal beliefs to connect and unite in a way that still remains the one transcendent thing that could unite people at scale yeah and so I think this is I think the church has to see that they're needed. And that more than anything, they're needed to step the gap to actually care for people, right? Care for people first, care for people where they are and meet them where they are. I think the third piece is I um, I believe that this is also an opportunity for not only a philosophy shift, but also for new spaces, right? Because sometimes if you have a a view of uh, being evangelistic, <laughs> saying, hey, we're a faith community, we need to bring people in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like I just need to to care for people where they are. Right Like, because a lot of us, it's almost like man all of us wants to close the deal, anybody been in sales, <laughs> you know, like everyone wants to be the one that closes the deal. But if you're in the kingdom work, it's like you may be one of, of 19. Your thing is care for them well in that interaction. If you are just you may till the soil. It may be somebody later on, but it doesn't mean that your work was ineffective. All you're called to do is, do. do, how how am I doing to the least of these? How am I doing to my neighbor? God will take care of the rest because none of us save people. (laughs) So, you know, I think in that sense, it's going to shift this mindset of saying, I'm in a relationship with you because I need you to come. And if I sense that you're not going to come to my church or my faith community, you're not somebody I'm going to build a relationship with. That's why we have this loneliness epidemic. How do you have so many people lonely around churches and people of of God? Mm. It makes no sense, right? And so because of that, I think... To your point, I, uh, we are people of hope. You know, we don't suffer as though we, or we uh, as though of people without hope. And so I, I strongly believe that we got a reality check for many of the churches to say, are we really building relationships? Or are we just playing church? Yeah. And th- there are many people in communities in church where they, they wouldn't even invite some of their community members to their, their child's birthday party, but they're part of church together.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That
2: tells me there's something about relationship we're getting wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I I was part of a a book back initiative called Running for for Backpacks. It was basically a homeless initiative that we were a part of. We just gave some backpacks and some toiletries, deodorant, whatever else to these kids, these families, 30 families in Washington Heights. And we had a GoFundMe page. We raised all kinds of money. We did it basically as opposed to going to church that day. A couple of us just went out and did that event. We were doing some fitness stuff for the kids and it was great. And we basically just filled the need. And there were so many uh, churches and places that would not do those things because they'd rather be sitting in pews on that day, being fed, as opposed to going out and feeding others. And I say that to say this, I feel like for me, it's really about, like you said, just feeling the need. We sit here and talk about, oh, well, we what does the community need and what can we be doing? And we try to reinvent all these different things and recreate the wheel. It's not a, about all those things. If there's a need, just fill the need. If people are hungry, give them food. If they need water, give them water. If they need clothes, find the clothes for them to do. We sit here and try to figure out all these other, well, maybe we'll do this and maybe we'll, let's have a board meeting about why, why are we doing all those things? Just figure out what your people need, what your community needs, and just give those things. And then like you're saying, as you continue to do those things, you build community. People who are doing those things can now talk and they can mend, and they can have relationships and they can talk and they can get to know each other on things that they like doing together, not just things that they believe in, but now we're talking about common threads. Now we're talking about common ideologies and, and now we're actually getting to know each other outside of us just sitting here, uh, just taking in information. Now we're actually bonding. And I think you're, you're so right. There's so many people who literally would not invite their kids to a party but they'll do anything else when it comes to fellowshipping in other areas of their lives. So that relationship line for me also was very much tested during COVID. And I've heard people even say, look, if the when the church was closed, because many churches were closed, right? We got to a point where people didn't know how to function. If we're the people and God lives inside of us, why? If if the doors are ever closed, God is still here. He still lives in each and every single one of us. There should be no discontinuation of that movement, of that, that faith, of that line, because God is still here with us. We believe that the church is just the four walls and the building and the roof, but it's so much bigger than that. And I get mad, Lawrence, because I feel <laughs> like sometimes, as opposed to being more for a community, church bodies, faith-based organizations, et cetera, become just not even hospitals anymore. They're more like hostiles. Mm. We just come, we kind of just be there for a while and we keep going. There's no more nurturing. There's no more feeding. People aren't getting better. We're just there. They're hostiles. We're just there. And I'm looking as we go into this next segment of life, post-pandemic, quotation marks, that <laughs> we can we can really get back to the church serving and us not being so comfortable being spoon-fed, but us going out there and feeding others, feeding the 5,000, know, going out there and doing more things, that are not going to be new things, just doing what we're supposed to do. And I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I, I know it's different in New York as opposed to where you are, but I'm looking now, my next question for you is, you know, how do we knowing all that we already know in terms of what's been happening and looking at people of color with all the racial things that have been happening. Cause I think a lot of those things also make you want to feel like, do I even want to go outside? Do I even want to go mm-hmm. to a rally? Do I even want to go and you know, Because out there is it's scary. I mean, earthquakes are happening. We know these things are supposed to happen in the end times. We talk about these things in the books, right? We know these things. But I think for some, it really becomes an issue of I'd rather just stay insular in my little quiet whatever where I'm protected. You know, what do you say to someone who uses, you know, you want them to be more for the community, you want them to go out there and interact with people, but they're just afraid. They're afraid that. More things like this Brother Nicholson is going to go down where just walking down the street, they, they can be attacked. Or, you know, what do you say to our young people who are trying to go out here and they're trying to live their lives? But they also know that it's just not always still da- it's still dangerous being a person of color, living in America, you know, and, and there are only certain places that they can go because who knows what might pop off while running, while driving, while sitting, while standing, while just being in your house. You know, there just mm. there aren't a lot of safe places for us still, even in 2023. So, you know, what do you say to people of faith-based communities or not who are in that demographic when it comes to them trying to go out there and reconnect with our brothers and sisters?
2: Yeah, I I, I think to your point of like the second Timothy three moments of like life of I kind of go back. I want to. I, I want to address this. I'm going to address this question, if that's okay. You know, you, Sean, you talked about something, and I, I, um, when you talked about us being so insular, and I think it'll connect to this question. The first thing I think about is like you've heard the saying, like you know, preach the gospel when necessary, use words, right? Think about it. We exist in the world where nobody gives a about you unless they get something. I could lose my job if I don't perform. I could lose friends if I don't do this. I. Everything is about performing. My whole existence is performance, especially men, suicide rates double, black men, right? Where it feels like the world has no empathy for you and blames you for everything, right? There is everything going on. Imagine a world where people are giving things those strings attached. It is the most radical thing to say, who is this person who I don't have to qualify for this, but it's giving to me readily and freely. It is a shadow of something that we say we build our entire lives upon, which is that good news. And so I, I think it's one of the most powerful things. That So I, I remind people to say, when you're giving, they're expecting for you to want something in return because that's the world they live in. But if we are people that are not of this world, then we actually have an opportunity when we give and say, and walk right off. Mm-hmm. It's like, my goodness, who are they? Where are they? It does something and it changes people. The second thing uh, that you kind of talk about is it, like, it's not just our love for others. I think a lot of people are are often scarred and pushed away based on how we love each other in this. Mm. And so, again, when you think about Acts, they dedicated them, dedicate themselves to Apostle teaching to break into bed as a the prayer. They added to their number daily, 3,000 in number, because of they saw their love, that people in the community joined because how they were interacting with one another seemed so attractive, right? It's like, yo, man, I, what? <laughs> They take, yo, look at the way they're caring for each other. Look at the way the pandemic, they go into the Costco together. They go in there. Right. And so a lot of times it's not just maybe the lack of, it's like, wait, look, when you go home, look at how you treat. So if you came out here and you were treating people well, but they saw how you treated your, your family, your child, Mm -hmm. they look at you funny. Mm -hmm. So it's a similar dynamic to say, we looking at you funny. Cause even though you out here doing these things, right. We see how you treat the people in your house, quote unquote, the house of God. So and I, so now, when you kind of think about the reality we live in, I do think that we are given, I believe, spiritual resources to be fearless people. Mm. Fearless means doesn't mean that I, we don't acknowledge fear. That's foolishness. But a part of it is saying, at the end of the day, I think what's scary, well, here's what's scary. I think many people, and Sean, we're on this all. I, I love these things because we can be real. Most people don't know what they're doing, most people don't know what their purpose is. Most people we're doing, it's a faith journey. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some people say you don't start to live until you realize what you're willing to die for. Mm. And so I think we're at this stage where at some point you get this reckoning in your life where you're like, yo, am I going to bury the talents or I'm going to go out? Right? (laughs) Am I going to say, God, I mean, I'm intact, I'm good. Or or I'm going to live for something that I'm saying I'm willing to die for. I could tell anybody who's listening to this who's a parent would probably say, I'm willing to die for my child. Mm-hmm. There's something in your life to say, I'm willing to die, you know, I'm willing to die for. There's something that you care about that you sacrifice of yourself to do it. Right. And I think, I think that, I, for me, I'm more in this, this rallying call, even for, for those of us of, of, of that are brothers and sisters with our melanation of faith to say, imagine if 50, 60, 70 years ago, we packed it up that people weren't willing to die, weren't willing to leave their home, were willing to say, you know what? I may not make it to see the promised land, but my kids are going to, right? And if I don't take this journey, and even though I'm gonna die here, or even though I'm gonna be sacrificed here, if I don't do it, my back is not a bridge for my kids in the next generation. This is a war against the individuality of saying, I need to get everything I need in my lifetime versus, you know what? I I'm, I am scared. This is not cool. But number one, what is my purpose? Number two, in within this purpose, you know, is my life just for me? Or can I stand out and make this world better for those who will come after me? And we have always been the people, I think, uh, shout out to Nicole Hannah-Jones. I know the black people bring, you know, it's like we have been a part of the perfecting of what this country says it aspires to be. hmm because we have put a mirror to this country, right? And I'm saying this as someone who admires, but my family isn't from this country, right? However, I I admire and I lift up the brothers and sisters who are descendants of slaves here who have built this country Mm -hmm. alongside others to say, we are not gonna lie down. You may hose us, you may shoot us, you may burn down our stuff, that's scary. So yes, today's scary. Man, I, I don't want to trade places any of the time either. Like yeah. You know, yeah. and so I said, I think this is our cross. And I think our cross needs to be, we are scared. Let's prepare our children in the world that we do live in. Let's be wise. Let's make sure that we have to We have to have conversations. Maybe other generations, have to, we have to have different types of conversations. Yeah. Right? I, the, the question I say now, Sean, is like often we've become, even for people of faith, Many of us have departed from even faith, having our true identity to care for and be courageous. And we've put our identity in worth even in our pol- our politicians, in our, in our political party. And so I say for many brothers and sisters, what we're walking in, it says, would, I, would you rather have somebody spit in your cup or spit in your face?
3: Mm.
2: It feels like for many people, like that is like the decision. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at the end of the day, nothing's perfect, but we actually have to live for something beyond ourselves and be courageous um, and use the example of those who came before us and continue the tradition of living sacrificially, even though we're in a scary environment.
0: Yeah, no, the spit in your cut, spit in your face thing is very real, <laughs> especially you're looking at looking, uh, looking to move. And I was like, well, what kind of racism do you want? Do you want like upstate racism or do you want like, <laughs> like, kind of when your face racism, them. Like, you want someone to talk behind your back, or like pray to your face. Like, you know, those are the, the things we talk about. Talk about like living, you know, in New York versus down south or wherever else. And it's true. You know, a lot of those things are very, very true. And you know, I I do a um talking about giving back and 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 not expect anything in return. I do a free workout for the community, and I've done it for the last twelve years. Um, I just mm. felt compelled just to ha- give a workout. Um. And I've been I was doing it before I was even uh, a, a doctor of physical therapy. I was just doing it for fun. We used to do Spartan races, and I did it for my church for the longest time. And then COVID hit, and we took out of the church because the church was closed. We were virtually for a while, and now I'm doing it at my current job. And literally, Lawrence, the number of people who asked the question, it's free. Yeah, it's free. It's for the community. And we went from having one person, five people. Now we have 30 people who are coming out, uh, 15 people coming out Sunday. Um Monday and Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., about 30 people coming out on Sundays in the morning at like eight o'clock in the morning. And it's a community that we've created. We've created this organic community of people who are black and brown people who are, have, they have all kinds of backgrounds, whether it's healthily they're coming for or just for looking for community or engagement, whatever it is, but they come. And it's always the same mm. question. Is it free? I'm like, yes, it's free. It's for anyone. And you're right. When people recognize that there's no string attached, uh, it does change the game. It does make them feel different. And, you know, it's 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 something that I think, at least for me, that's my why, giving back and just showcasing whatever you can share, whether it's PT related or whatever, to give back to my community. That, that's what I do. And I know for you, you do so many things in the world of fitness, you have this gym, spiritual gym. I just want you to talk a little bit about what that is because when you mentioned it, when I mentioned it in your bio, it was very intriguing to me. So how did this thing come about and how yeah. does it even work?
2: Yeah, man. I um. So interestingly enough, it was, it was actually during the pandemic, because I've been trying to crack this code, man, and all of us have projects that we say, Lord, before you take me, I want to put this out in the world. And I, part of even my faith journey and story that I think many brothers could r- relate to is that, you know, I, I grew up kind of like more of a nominal, you know, more cultural Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I went to church, and faith was important in our household, but I didn't really have a strong foundation. You know, I know a couple of scriptures, I tried to be a good guy and, you know, not be out here, right? But um, you know, I, I was very clear that I thanked God for everything that I received, but there came the turning point I was at a uh, shout out to Dr. Reverend A.R. Bernard, ACCC. You know, I remember coming back and visiting the church in 20, 2000, 2007. And I remember like, he called out a book of the Bible and he's like, turn to the book of Malachi. I didn't know where I was.
3: <laughs>
2: and like, it was a reckoning for me to say, Lord. I thank you for everything. You have given me this intellectual horsepower. You, get, you gave my mind a gift. And I've applied this mind and this intellect and this work ethic to everything and everyone but my relationship with you and knowledge of you. And, it, and, and I think there are many brothers and sisters who like who realize or feel that. It's a less an unconscious, insidious shame of like, I feel more confident in my trade than in my knowledge of and my relationship with God. I went to all these schools, went all this stuff, but when it comes to the God thing, I feel like I'm faking the funk. And that became a turning point. And so the reality was that I'm, I, there's a, a community of people, I know many people who may listen or just realize, like, I've been more deliberate about everything else in my life than my relationship with God. So now we have digital health. When the physical, I know, I know what I'm working on. I know what my physical goals, my fitness goals are. I know, okay, great. I need to. But when it comes to my spiritual health, it is so reactive. It is so just, okay, what is the sermon series for the day? And I'm like, we're called to be disciples, man. You know? And I think that, you know, in the same way I view worship and I view God as having reign over everything. And so even not just how we treat our souls, you think of First John 1, he talks about like, I, I pray all is well with you, pray that you, you you're all is well with you and you're in good health, even as your soul prospers. So as much as he cared about his soul, he was like, I pray you're in good health. So, part of a manifestation of how we show the reign of the kingdom of god is not just in our behavior but in how we treat our bodies not just Mm -hmm. sexually but how we tend to it because we received it from god so Mm -hmm. part of the view of the spiritual gym was saying helping brothers, high especially high achieving brothers and sisters be deliberate about their faith and so that they would have a plan they would say in this season of my life for the next 10 to 12 weeks you know what Uh, One of the things I said was that, especially for many people who've gone to and educated, sometimes it feels very unempirical, which is good, right? But in some levels, like, how do I become a good Christian? It seems like there's a million things for me to do, and I don't know. So I said, you know what, Lord? I I just want to help people have a foundation. Our foundation is Christ. Everybody's house will look different, but our foundation is the same. So I said, you know what? Everybody who's of faith should know how to talk to God. For many people, usually that's the starting point. Even people who don't believe in God, at, when I spend time with people in their last days, they're praying even if they didn't believe in God. So that's a prayer. Everybody should be able to know their story, right? What is your story, right? And that's for people be able to read, be able to give the reason for which you have the hope in Christ. That's two. God's story, which often comes before that. What's God's story? Just what's this story? For what's a long time, I was like, "What's the difference the you know, Old Testament New Testament?" Mm. Right? I didn't even know that. Right? Like. What is the story of God throughout throughout history? And then ultimately, how do you read the letters that the God inspired words that He wrote to you? Man, so everybody should be able to learn how to be able to read those words. And then the last thing was like growth. Like I should be able to be able to grow in my generosity because the more and the more mature I become, I become more generous. Two, my growth and my Christ-likeness and my relationships, right? Most of the things are within the prism of not just how you love me, how you love others. And then growth and my gifting, my talents, my work, which many of us, particularly this generation, we have an unhealthy relationship to our work, right? And so, okay, God, I want to make sure that I'm maximizing that. So I say this to say, for that, now everybody came in to say they almost had a diagnostic to be like, okay, where am I in a faith? Number two, what is it that I need to work on in this season? And here's the thing, for anybody of faith, you're jumping into a pool that's infinitely deep. Until Jesus returns, you're always going to have something to work on but at least now in every season you're not you're you have mission you have purpose as opposed to i'm just floating through what's the what's the sermon series of the day i'm re- i have direction so i'm working on you know what my prayer life you know what i'm gone from being able to just to to do the lord's prayer to i now be i'm able to pray consistently to you know what i'm able to pray and be angry with god in my prayers i was afraid to even say anything that i felt god would be upset with me about and and now i'm seeing very accomplished People who now feel more motivated say, now I feel confident in my relationship with God that I'm working on things. And so spiritual gym is just that. One-on-one, there are people I see one-on-one, treated like a medical practice. There are couples that I see, all of them have plans, like like personal, like like actual personal training plans, but spiritual, and then group. And then we've been rocking that since the, since the pandemic, man. And so that's what I mean, spiritual gym. The hope is that we're able to take this to actual space. That's partly why I'm in Dallas. To build a space, a community where you have both a high-end gym, a co-working, and then you have a fellowship area and wellness space all under one roof. And so it's a shrewd way to say, well, this is a blessing to community, whether you go to church or not, you have a gym. That's, everything is focused on community, you get put in a cohort. If you want to be solo, you pay more, right? And so everybody's connected, but ultimately I'm able to focus on wellness holistically. I can't be relationally well and not be spiritually well i can't be physically well and not be spiritually so it's like all three i'm relationally well spiritually well and physically well that's the wellness that i think god wants us to have on this side and so that's why i mean spiritual gym
0: i love it i love it lawrence that's pretty much exactly where be more today is is focusing on just looking at total wellness and finding more ways for us to be more today in our communities and you are clearly the example of like excellence and of that for me so i gotta ask you as uh, the Black History Month special guest for this month. When you hear the phrase, be more today, what does that phrase mean to you? Mm. Uh, Be exactly who God
2: had in mind when he made you, right? Seek to be exactly, uh, be more today, means like be, be exactly who you were made to be, right? Which would be, it's more than enough. So when I say be more today, it's like, man, let me return to myself. Return to who I am, who I was made to be. Be more today and do it now, not tomorrow. Yesterday's past, today. And if it will be valuable today.
0: Mm. Yes, sir. Listen, I know you, you're you the host of two shows. Talk to listeners about the two shows that you run and why it's so important to have these hard conversations you talk about.
2: Yeah, so the two was watch God work and uh, agree to disagree. Was, interestingly enough, I'll start with agree to disagree. Agree to disagree was a was a partly it, it was about four years before the pandemic. Uh, me and the sister DeLorne, it was an amazing sister in, in the state. Uh, um, we uh, met after church at a brunch place, and it happened to be that I think people were talking at that point about insecure. I don't know, you know. Shout out to my sister Isa, right? <laughs> and everybody at this brunch, it seemed like everybody's having a conversation about the first season, or whatever, like that, and it was like heated. Like, I'm just like, did everybody, did I miss a memo? I'm just trying to get some brunch, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I could hear it in the back. It was an outdoor brunch area. And I remember her, she was a friend. of. She was invited by a friend to go to church. And I remember we're sitting at a table. She's like, you know, I'm like, hey, can we sit here? I'm like, of course. And she was chatting. And then we started talking about it. And her and I, like, we were on completely, totally polar opposite play, uh, views on this issue of mm-hmm. Lawrence and Issa. But, you know, I don't want to start it with people. <laughs> so we were talking about it. But we were talking about it in such a mutually... Caring and respectful kingdom way. Mm. It was like, okay. And like every, it seemed like the whole room shifted and were just descending upon us. Not because we we're having any different conversation that they were having, but we realized in retrospect, it was because we were having this conversation respectfully. Mm. Right. And so I said, it, we didn't, and she was like, we need to do it. We need to do it. And I was like, nah, man, I ain't trying to do podcast and second podcast. You know, like I was kind of like, nah, I don't got time for this. Right. And the pandemic happened and I just needed, with everything going on, a place to process and just get out. All these things, right? <laughs> and so we did it on Tuesdays, and initial view was like, hey, let's do a episodes and let's talk about topics that are timeless, not trendy, they're, but they're timeless. Like right. how to this, this. And you and I are gonna go at it and, and talk about it, but ultimately we're gonna we're gonna we wanna also model one. There's a brother and sister talking about this, uh, which is often rare that you see us not being at each other's in an enmity. In right? Mm-hmm. Two. Um, you know, the brothers that are melanated. You know, both melanated. That's that's a good thing. Three. Let's let's actually talk about the things that we're seeing people talking about online and offline, but not necessarily mm-hmm. talking about it in the well that that glorifies God. So that was the spirit of it. We did that. We did hundred episodes. I think we only released like forty. And part of even the pause. So that was the spirit of it. And we will we will continue it. And I'll be honest. Part of this the pause. We paused like last year, and my pause was we were going to keep releasing, but I said, you know what. I want to be, you know, there's a lot of talking. I think we're modeling a lot of good things and we're going to continue. We have all these episodes that we're ready to release. But I said, you know, I, I, I think we have an also not an opportunity obligation to help like solution. And so I want to take the conversations we have and then let's at least append them with, okay, depending on where you are, here's, here's a step you could take. Mm-hmm. Here's a step you could take so that people don't feel tired again of us and the same conversations, and nothing's happening. And so yeah. that's part of the positive. Um, Watch God Work was, I think, the the, uh, the genesis for that was, I think, for many people I went to business school with, and a lot of times we talk about faith as though it is so wholly separate from our work, you know? And it's it's like, oh, my gosh, is, is the extent to which I could bring God to my work only that I just need to be a good Christian and a good person and I wear my cross and that's it? Mm-hmm. I said I said, no, no, no. Right, when we think about man, why is insurance the way it is? <laughs> you can understand PT. What I'm like, in my mind, I said, like, where are the Christians? Like, mm. it should affect policies, it should affect how you think about the work we do. When we think about the police brutality and things, where are the Christians who are thinking about this at the operative level to say, where's the kingdom in this? Right? Is is this is this godly for us to put somebody in solitary confinement? Is this redemptive? Is this people of the redempted one who would who would put policy forward? I don't just think that the light is just for people in the corner. I think the light is for the world. I think it helps people live better. And so I said, you know what? We need to give more platforms for brothers and sisters who often feel they have to hide their faith and often just say thank you at the award show and say, I thank God. To say, Mm -hmm. you know what? Talk to me not just about God in your personal life. Talk to me about how God has shown up for you in your work. Right where you're like, man, I had this one contract. I thought I wasn't going to do this work. You know, PT was good, but nobody in my community came from it. But mm-hmm. I felt God say this. I had a moment with God in this. I think for people that would open that would really capture the hearts to this generation who are so like almost worship their work to say, wait, God has a place here for me. I can be affirmed in something I care about. That was big. And number two, I think at the at, shout out to my boys, Rashad, Rashad. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, like uh, Troy, Earn Your Leisure, I think people at this place where they're like, show me how, right? Sometimes it, we could be so heady and often be very Christian-easy about faith, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is good and feel good, but how does this help my to today? Make it relevant to me. Mm-hmm. I need to make money for my family. And so I think I wanted to also have a platform where we say, watch God work, where actually it shows how God works in your life to say, you know what, actually, here's why prayer is important for me, not just because it makes me feel like I'm a good Christian, but like, here's how tangibly this shows up in my life. Here's yeah. how my faith community shows up in my life. And so I wanted to be able to, to to put a space for people who are professionals to talk about really how faith is relevant to their day-to-day
0: life. I love all of it. Uh, and if, folks, if you already heard, please go on uh, all the social media platforms and podcasts and subscribe to those shows. They are going to be phenomenally changing your life. And I agree. You Talking is one thing, but giving people the, the tools to go out there and actually put those things in place, that's the more important part. So I'm glad you're focusing on that. Lawrence, what's next for you, man? And know you try trying to do the spiritual gym thing. What's next for you for this year? If anything else that's coming up? you want to tell mm-hmm. listeners anything that's popping up for you in the next couple of yeah, days? I,
2: I, yeah, I'll share, I'll share three things I'm excited about. Uh, number number one, um, I'm really excited about, I actually was able to do something that I wanted to do for some time which is I did a full recording of an audio book of the, of the Bible at NIV. And uh, for many of the brothers that I was working with, uh, they were like, I've always wanted to finish reading the Bible in its totality, but I've struggled to. And I think for many of them, it's like, I, I, it's in a language I don't understand, like King James doesn't. <laughs> it's hard for me to understand. And two, you know, I listen to audio books. And so we, the word says faith comes from hearing. And so I said, let me do that. And so that's going to be released. And I'm excited for that to be a campaign. And I'm looking for professionals to listen to it and finally hear the full word. I say, I'll put it like this. It's some for many people. And I was like it, it's like, it feels like you based your life on a movie that you haven't watched in its entirety. Mm. I know many people could relate to that. Like, you know how you feel when people talk about Game of Thrones or some other thing? You like right. hey, watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so there's a confidence that's unlocked when you at least, it's like Inception. When you read the first time, you're not going to get everything, mm-hmm. but you're like, okay, now I feel comfortable that i at least seen everything. Now I can go deep. Yeah, That's what it is for faith. So I'm excited about that. And so my website, lawrence.com, you'll see the release or watch God work. You'll see that uh, where we'll be publishing that within the next month. So sign up for the pre-order there. One, two, uh, I'm a, a host on uh, the uh, Just Heal Pro Tour. And we did that for this year. And again, it's for mental health and wellness in black men. Uh, but I think it's relevant for all brothers. And all men, I mean, who are struggling with, you know, being mentally well. And there's really often very few places where people actually care. They may say they care, Mm -hmm. right? But I think particularly for brothers, it's like, man, it seems like we get more respect and honor or attention in death than we do in life, Mm. right? When one of us dies, then that's where all the attention is. But when we're alive, you don't care. And so I'm excited for people to be able to get involved in that. And I think lastly, you know, as it relates to this spiritual gym you know, my view is, you know, I have this view, vision for the foundation. The ultimate vision is that it be a live, work, play community where people who want to share values of how they live and raise their kids live in a community that intentionally puts them in community. Within that community is this wellness center that I talk about where you have co-working, you have a gym, and then you have a fellowship area where you could worship, you could have meals, you could watch the game in all under one roof. Um, you know, I'm working on that. And so my, my, my view is I'm going to share more of that vision. And so people can at least join us in that work. But I think it'll be something that will change the world. I really do. Um, you know, I think we need a, com- a return to the community center for this generation, uh, particularly for those, whether they're in church or not in church. We need that.
0: Pastor, you're, you're giving me life right now. And I appreciate all of it. I appreciate all of it. Hey, where can people follow you uh, on social media or otherwise? Most definitely, man. i have taken a
2: nice status on social media, but I'm coming back. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, but um, um, th- You can follow me on Instagram at Aja, I'm A as in Apple, D as in David, J as in Jack, A as in Apple, H as in hello, underscore L, L as in Lawrence, uh, Aja underscore L on Instagram and or on uh, 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 Twitter. Uh, you could also uh, go to my uh, website, com, which has links to um, the, my work. And also follow us on Watch WatchGodWork, dot WatchGodWork.co watch or at WatchGodWorkTV on Instagram. Um, but again, if you go to our website, you'll have everything there. But outside of that, Aja underscore L, and uh, we can build from there.
0: Pastor yeah, Lawrence, Aja, thank you so much. You have made this episode and this month, Black History Month, one for the books. I appreciate you, brother. And listen, I've never been to Texas. Um, it's the one state for whatever reason I've never, ever been to. So I might have to make a trip down when the gym gets up. And uh you have that space. I want to come down and we're going to rock out together.
2: Brother man, we'll rock out sooner, but brother, can I also just shout shout you out um as a, as a, as an amazing uh, brother, leader, father, spouse, um, community leader, um, and somebody who does his work with excellence. I always say that Jesus probably never built a table that had crooked legs. Mm. So excellence is a part of uh, doing unto the Lord that you are an amazing doctor of physical therapy, that you give people a shadow of the kingdom in your work. I just thank you. And I have great respect for you because of your whole life. Um, It encourages me, man. And I've followed you as much as you follow me. And I, I thank you for this work and this platform and for inviting me, man. We're brothers for life and beyond. You know that?
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And folks, he said so many things today. Pastor, I just said so many things that got me hype about. Doing more for our community, doing more for our people, and doing more for ourselves, our families. Uh, do not forget the words he shared today. And I quote for today from Nelson Mandela, Action without vision is only passing time. Vision without action is merely daydreaming, but vision with action can change the world. Pastor Lawrence is changing the world uh, one step at a time, now in Dallas, but doing so many things around the world. And you, too. Can be doing these things. So do not let your light go under a bushel. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine for all the world to see. And let's be more proactive in making sure that we give to those who need and we can do what we need to do to connect with those who are around us. As always, be more to say shows everywhere. So follow us everywhere and follow Pastor Aja's platforms as well and his website and for all the thoughts you want to send me or connect with him directly Dr. drshaunabmorestay.com Or all of our social media platforms you know we're on instagram facebook and our facebook group is still out there if you want to join our community join us out there as well as i always say have a good day have a good night have a great life and continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you happy black history month let's be proud peace